Our mission is simple, connect, grow, hi. I'm Caleb Nichols, the leader of this fantastic church. Our mission is simple, connect, grow, reach. Connect is about people meeting and then continually developing a deep relationship with Jesus. Grow recognizes that spiritual health and development truly occurs when people choose to grow together through active participation in the life of the church. Reach ensures that our mission is Jesus' mission. We're deeply committed to share the gospel with people in our community. 500,000 people live within 15 minutes of this church. We reach this mission field by encouraging our people to be closely involved in the community. They develop authentic friendships and in turn invite people into their homes or life groups or Sunday church that they may connect with Jesus also. Our mission is directly taken from the Bible. Therefore, it's relevant to all people, the church as well as the non-religious or the child. Similarly, our mission is relevant all the time. We all need to continually connect with Jesus, grow together and reach our community with the gospel. I hope you're not getting sick of that guy up there every week. If you've been here the last three Sundays, then you've seen that video the last three Sundays. So uh, we thought we'd put our mission in a little video, a little one minute video there. So it's there, it'll be up on our website and you can see it if you ever need a reminder. But uh, it's a great reminder for all of us of what Christianity is simply about. Simply, it is about connecting with Jesus, having a healthy, deep, personal relationship with Jesus Christ everything comes out of that. Nothing will come from anywhere else except your personal connection with Jesus and revelation uh, of Him. Secondly, what a good prayer life does is it begins to turn your eyes, turn your heart, turn your mind to the community of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Who else is following Jesus? Who, the question comes to us, who are you discipling? Who are you helping to become more like Christ? The question comes to us, who is helping you become more like Jesus? Who are you opening your life up to? Who are you listening to speaking into your life? That's the grow together bit. Discipleship only happens within Christian community. And then the third part of our mission is this reach part, which we're going to touch on today. And this will be the last time we talk about uh, this series. And we're going to move on to talking about prayer um, through to Easter for the next few Sundays. But reaching our community, this is the exciting bit. This is where... Christian maturity or Christian depth ends in reproduction. Now, we know as a child grows up, the ability to reproduce physically is, is, is not there. But as a child comes of age and goes through puberty and eventually turns into a man or a woman, the ability to reproduce is a sign of maturity. And it's the same with the spiritual walk. The ability to reproduce spiritually, that means to actually share the gospel, means to help somebody else find Jesus, it means to help somebody else learn about God, it means to be a witness for the faith that you have, that is actually the key sign of spiritual depth. Spiritual depth isn't about praying for long amounts of time, it's not about liking the latest Christian music that's being released, spiritual depth isn't about having all these scriptures memorized, these are all great things, but really, it's very confronting I know, but really it all comes down to spiritual maturity is this heart and this ability to actually take the love of Jesus to its end point, and that would be 
to help somebody else meet Jesus, to help somebody else have a revelation of God just like you have enjoyed. And what I like about this mission circle, as I've mentioned the last few weeks, is that it is a circle because it's circular, and circular because these things never go away. They're always relevant. Uh, You can do them in order. You can do them out of order. You can do them all kinds of different ways, but they're all going to be relevant to creating spiritual depth and maturity within you. They can't stand alone. You can't just have a great prayer life and say, have a great connection with Jesus because a great prayer life that you may promote or tell other people about without the grow together and the reach our community just turns into a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism, a lot of just, hey, Jesus said this to me and everyone out there is wrong. (laughs) Growing together keeps us humble. Reaching our community makes our prayer life humble. Grow alone, you can't, you can't do that. We spoke about that last week, didn't we? Remember the gum tree that I had up here last week? I think that's still floating around the church somewhere. If anyone wants a 30-meter gum tree to plant in their backyard, come see me after the service. That one that was actually used here last week in the sermon could be yours. I think it's still floating around up for grabs. So uh, you can't grow alone. If you try to grow alone and you don't have much of a prayer life and you don't have much of a heart for evangelism, then it just turns into this kind of religious thing where you try to come to church and hang out with the people of God, but you don't really talk to anyone in the people of God. You're just kind of doing your own thing. There's no influence. You're not discipling anyone. You're not helping anyone else grow. No one else is helping you grow. It just becomes this very alone journey that we God tag with all these other things. And you can't reach alone. I'm going to preach about this today, about reaching our community. That can't be done in isolation either. If you reach, try to reach someone for Jesus without a healthy prayer life that's bringing you back every day to center yourself on God, or without a healthy church community that you're walking with your brothers and sisters in Christ, then the whole reach bit, it just becomes... It becomes political. It becomes weaponizing the gospel. It becomes judging the church down the, down the road. It becomes this, let's get out of the four walls to tell everyone else how they're wrong. That's what evangelism turns into. But a great prayer life, it keeps us humble when we evangelize. Growing together as a church community, it keeps us in line. It keeps us accurate. It keeps us in perspective. We don't go outside of the four walls of the church to turn Jesus into a weapon to get everyone else into order. No, we go outside of the four walls of the church with grace and humility in our heart and with the truth on our tongue, amen, to be able to talk to people about the message of Jesus who came full of grace, 100% grace, and also came full of truth, 100% truth. We've been touching on Luke very quickly as I've started off these sermons the last few weeks. In Luke chapter 5 and 6, Jesus calls his disciples. This is the the disciples. This is the connect to Jesus bit. There's a call to all men to come and follow him, to have that personal connection with him. In Luke chapter 7 and 8, if you keep reading on, you see that Jesus begins to build his disciples. He begins to mature his disciples. And he doesn't just do it through one-on-one counseling. You look at the Gospels and Jesus is constantly growing them spiritually as a team, as a group, through dialogue, through discussion, through teaching, through toing and throwing. He, he, he would teach to the crowds, but then he would pull the 12 aside and, so, and say to them, so tell me now, what did you hear? 
when I shared that parable with the 12. And guess what? They got it wrong most of the time. And that's where Jesus did the discipleship. Let me help you. Let me correct you. Let me re-explain that to you. But it was never done in isolation. It was always done together, journeying together, eating together, walking together, talking together. And then finally, in Luke chapter 9, and we know this very well, Jesus says to his disciples, now I'm sending you out. You guys get to go and do what you've seen me do. You've been the apprentice following me, following me around everywhere, looking at how I do. Now you get to copy what I do. Being with Jesus in prayer becomes doing what Jesus does now out there on their own. Jesus isn't going to hold their hand anymore and he sends them out. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What a great verse. Who wants that? It's like, yes, miracles and diseases gone and power. And after two years of COVID, who just wants some confidence to go out there and do something for God? Now, this is pretty blatant. I've given you the most, the two verses here that are probably the most blatant kind of go and preach the gospel stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty direct. It's pretty black and white. And it's not really a suggestion. It's not really like, hey, this would be cool in your kind of wokish Christianity if you want to hang out with someone and maybe preach the gospel a little. No, it's pretty direct. Jesus is like, go and preach. Go and share. Go and do miracles. It's a command. It's a confronting command that comes to us. Very difficult to obey this command without a really healthy prayer life. Very difficult to obey this command without a community of people who are trying to obey this command also. So the reach our community command, the go share the gospel beyond the church command, is something that is put before you, it's put before me, put before every single Christian to obey or not to obey. Let's bring this down to us here, Southern Lights, little old church, sitting here on a Sunday morning. You can have a look at the map here. This is us. There's, there's a little dot there. That's, that's a new piece of property over there. That's a five-kilometer ring and a 10-kilometer ring. Can anyone see the house in there? That's kind of big enough if your eyes are okay. Isn't it incredible? 10 kilometers out from that property, which is, we're, we're only a few kilometers from it here, but 10-kilometer ring out, you pick up half a million human beings, 500,000 human beings searching for meaning, asking, is there a God? Wondering what's the big problem with the world? Why are people so unkind and unjust and life is so difficult? Asking, is there a savior? Is there something to set us free? 500,000 people, and most of you live within that ring, 500,000 people, 500,000 neighbors that you have, that I have, that we have. The whole point of a local church is that some group of Christians would take responsibility for the local area. Guess what? That's you and me for around here. I'd love to, I'd love to go to Africa, been there. I'd love to go to the Middle East and preach Jesus, been there, done that. I'd love to go to the Pacific Islands or maybe into Asia and preach the gospel. I've been to all those places and preached sermons. But a better calling, a better dream is to go outside this building into the local courts, 
streets, roads, the local shopping centres, the local footy clubs, local dance schools, and make a friend and to introduce someone to Jesus. Mission trips to Africa and Asia and all these places are great, are powerful, but their resource and the energy that goes into that when 500,000 human beings are sitting right across the road, right behind the church, right across from your front door, asking, is there a God? Is there hope? Does someone have an answer? What a great responsibility. Let me tell you about the people that live there, because I know them inside out. I've looked at all the demographics over and over and over again. Guess what? They're younger than most of Victoria. Guess what? There's more families, there's more people married than in the rest of Victoria in this area. It's more multi-ethnic, more migrants live in this area than most of the rest of Victoria and it's upon us to reach them. Part of the reason that we started Australia's Christian College in partnership with Lighthouse in Keysborough was because we want to reach people for Jesus. That was where it came from. It didn't start with education. It didn't start with a few of us going, hey, we could do a better school for our children. No, it came first and foremost because God's heart and our heart said, hey, what about a school as a tool to not only do excellent academic education, but also to reach people for Jesus and to disciple the next generation? That was the reason. That was the genesis. It was a word from God that begun this college. It wasn't just a good idea. Now I want to tell you what evangelism looks like. I want to share with you about what it means to reach our community. I know for some of us the word evangelism is like a trigger point. (laughs) It's going to trigger you hearing that word and you get, I, I know when I hear evangelism I get flashbacks of my Pentecostal charismatic 1980s upbringing of like street ministry and quick 30 seconds while everyone's standing at the traffic light, preach the gospel to them. I get pictures of images of stadiums and we should just get everyone in a stadium so that one evangelist can stand there and get 100,000 people saved. All these things flash in my head of when I was a young pastor of going to pastor's meetings and you go around the room with all the pastors in the room. What's on your heart? Revival. Oh, okay. Next pastor. What have you been praying about lately? Oh, revival. Revival in our city. Okay, well, that's great. I think revival's awesome. We all want revival. Acts chapter 2, that's the real church. That's how we should be living. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, 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 Is anyone doing anything about that? Is anyone strategizing about that? Should we get together as the pastors in the city and maybe come up with a real plan? No, 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 let's just pray about it. I want revival, you want revival. We all believe in evangelism as a Christian. We all believe in that. And this is the point where I say to you that if you're sitting here this morning and you're not a Christian, man, this is the sermon for you. Because you don't have to do anything based on today's sermon. If you are not a Christian, then this really doesn't apply to you. You can sit there, lay back this morning, enjoy the preaching. The only thing you need to worry about is, is Jesus the Son of God? Because that's going to come through a bit this morning. But apart from that, this is on the Christian's who Jesus said to go and preach the gospel. Now, this is about the time where I launch into a good story to re-engage you in the sermon about evangelism. So you're all inspired that when you leave here today, you'll be like, I'm going to do this. But I want to tell you a bad story about evangelism. (laughs) The opposite end of the spectrum. 
It was about 15 years ago, I went away on a holiday with a bunch of friends. Zoe was there, I was up in Port Douglas. I was a young adult. Loved Jesus, wanted to tell everyone about Jesus, on fire for God. And uh, we had a, we're having a great time up in Port Douglas, swimming and doing all kinds of things, beautiful weather up there. And as you do, we went to one of the local pubs that night and got involved in the local toad racing competition. So they have toad races up there because of all the, all the frogs, all the toads. So we'd spent the night racing toads, and I can't remember who won, but uh, you'd, you'd, you'd have a toad and then you'd let him go and see who got to the finish line first. And uh, it was a great night. We're all covered in sweat because it's so humid up there. And we're at the end of the night sitting at the bar talking. And I was talking to Zoe's best friend, Zoe's best girlfriend from university that she'd known for a long, long time. And we got into a discussion about faith, and about belief, and about God about the meaning of life. And I'm sitting there like in the pocket, you know, thinking this is the Holy Ghost. I am with God here. This girl's asking all these questions, like I'm just gonna help navigate her all the way to Jesus. And it was going perfectly until she said to me, so what about hell? So if I don't believe in Jesus, I go to hell, right? It's like a silence went across the local pub in Port Douglas. All the toads stopped scurrying. All the people stopped talking. It was like one of those moments where everything went quiet and the light shone on me. It was my chance to respond. Guess what I said? Young man, loving Jesus, want to bring people to Jesus. Yes, you will go to hell. Yeah, not handled very well, Caleb. Not the right moment to deliver the hell speech. What, what, so, so if I don't believe in Jesus, he just sends everyone to hell. Yes, you will go to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. It did not go down well. <laughs> the conversation did not go any further. It literally stopped right there. We hit a brick wall, bang. Now, is that because there is no hell? Well, I don't think so. Is that because uh, my theology was wrong? Well, not really, but my reading of the room was quite off. <laughs> My delivery of the punchline of the gospel was quite off in that moment. And it didn't leave a good friend, it didn't leave a good taste in Zoe's friend's mouth, saying, yes, you do. Yes, you will go to hell. Reaching out to people, sharing the gospel with people, it's simple. It's a really simple gospel. But it's definitely not the easiest thing to do. And that definitely wasn't the moment to give the hell speech. It was, would have been much better going the other direction to talk about the, Jesus Christ and who he is. The problem with my mentality at that moment as a young adult was that I was seeing evangelism and reaching the community and reaching out as a project, not as God coming with all of his love to try and invite someone into relationship with him. I wasn't seeing Zoe's friend as someone that God adored and he was doing everything possible to draw him into relationship, her into relationship with himself. I was seeing her as a project, someone to get saved, a soul to be won, a good religious job to be done, a young man living out his passion that would have another story that he could tell his youth group when he got home of how Jesus used me to get someone saved. Everything was off. And in that moment, God's grace wasn't there to cover for all of the off stuff. Often he is there to cover for us. The state of Christian evangelism is in an interesting, interesting position across the globe. 
in the West where we live, so Western Europe or most of Europe, Australia, New Zealand, America, Canada, these kind of places, Christianity is declining at a rapid pace. Church attendance is declining at a rapid pace. But the state of Christian evangelism in a global sense is really, really healthy. Everywhere across the globe, Christianity is exploding, except for in the West. In, in Asia, in Africa, Christianity is at an all-time high. In countries like Iran, India, China, where there's mass persecution against Christians, where from a political level, the government has said, like in India, that Hinduism will be promoted. Like in Turkey, where Islam will be promoted. In China, where secularism will be promoted from a political level. So therefore, Christianity has no space in those cultures. Christianity isn't supported, isn't allowed, isn't encouraged. Yet those are the places where the gospel is expanding the fastest. In the West, so where we live, it's a very different story. And I say all of this to encourage you that in a global sense, God is doing great things. Don't look at your shoes. Don't look what's happening here. Don't look in our country and think that this is the state of the entire world because it's not. It's very, very different in our tiny little pocket of the world. Interestingly, out of a lot of different stats, I grabbed this one out for you. Nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say it is wrong to evangelize. So it gives you a little bit of a picture of the state of evangelism in our corner of the globe. Millennials, so those that are aged between about 25 and 40 right now, most of them, half of them say that it's wrong to evangelize. So in the sense it's wrong to say that my faith is truer than whatever you believe, whatever my friend believes. Now, I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater here because there's a bunch of other stats around this. This is from Barna. There's a bunch of other stats around this that say that millennials believe that evangelizing and sharing the gospel is really important. But we're in this interesting, sticky place where we as Christians may believe that Jesus is true, but it's out of fashion to share what you believe with a friend if they don't hold the same beliefs. It's way out of fashion. It's so out of fashion that it's almost taboo to insinuate that somebody else has an inferior belief system. So my encouragement to you is not to be like me at 25 and go out there and tell everyone about hell. My encouragement to you is to find a new method, to find a new way to evangelize, to find a new approach. Because is Jesus true? Yes. Does Jesus want us to share the gospel? Yes. Is the method that we're used to using the best method? Maybe not anymore. Is no method an okay method in the kingdom of God? No, no method is not okay either. And that's probably where a lot of us find ourselves. We, well, we don't want to be too pushy. We don't want to be too weird like, like the, the old kind of 1980s thing that I grew up in. But then on the other side, oh, I'm not really sure what to do. Oh, I don't really know how to share about my faith. It's a bit taboo. It's a bit weird. I had a gentle conversation with an unsaved guy the other day. Gentle, gentle, gentle. And I just said to him, hey, what, what do you believe, mate? It's very relaxed. What do you believe, mate? He knew I was a Christian. He knew I was a pastor. What do you believe? Oh, I don't really believe in anything. Oh, okay. And I like Christianity, but, you know, I, I just, I'm not really sure if it's true. But I think it's done a lot of good stuff. 
I said to him, well, there's actually a lot of evidence for Christianity, not just done good stuff. There's a lot of evidence for Jesus and he existed. Not only it existed, but he rose from the dead. Oh, I don't want to hear it. He cut me off, like really strong. No, I don't want to get into an argument, mate. That's what he said to me. I was just gently sharing back, like having a normal conversation. I don't want to get into an argument. Why? Because it's different to, difficult to talk about it. It's a little bit, it's a little bit taboo. Proselytizing is out of fra- fashion. Sharing your faith isn't really the popular thing to do anymore. You talk to parents, especially non-Christian parents, and they say things like, well, I don't, I'm not giving my children any belief or, or faith framework because when they grow up and become an adult, I want them to choose what they believe. Which is just basically saying, if I can put it in really really blunt terms, basically saying we've totally given over all responsibility for the spiritual formation of our child and we'll let them fumble and mumble through it for their 20s, 30s and 40s until they work out what's true about the world. It's not a great parenting approach, but this is what's fashionable at the moment. You talk to your non-Christian friends, it's, not, it's about not putting any religion or not putting any belief framework on children, but letting them work that out for themselves, which in fact is a total belief framework it's called humanism so you're saying to your child for 18 years you are the center of the world you are the center of the world whatever you want is true whatever you believe is good whatever you feel is correct that's the religion it's called the religion of humanism where it's very narcissistic and self is at the center and self is idolized that's the belief framework that those parents are giving their children Whereas Christians, our job as parents is to help our children understand, is if this is what we believe, that Jesus Christ is the center of the universe, not self. That self is actually the arch enemy of Jesus Christ. The most anti-Christ thing about us is our selfish, sinful desire. And we don't want to exalt that. We want to put Jesus on the throne. That's what our parenting should orientate around. So how do you share about the good news of Jesus Christ when it's bad to do so or it's not popular to do so? I sit with a lot of people to organize weddings. As a pastor, that's what I do. I'm doing three weddings in the next few months and I'm attending another one. If you've been married before, you've helped someone organize a wedding, what's one of the biggest, hardest things to do? The invite list, the guest list. Who should come and who shouldn't come? and, you know, aunt, aunt this and uncle that, they're a bit weird and do we really want them there? And, you know, they don't like those and what if they have a couple of drinks and then there's a fight at the wedding? <laughs> there's all these things to try and work through. Who do you invite? One thing is for sure though, only those that are invited come to the wedding. And sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> In the kingdom of God, Jesus invites everyone to the wedding feast, whether they're going to get a little bit drunk or not, whether they're the favorite person or not, whether they fit in or not, whether they're going to dress properly or not, the invitation goes out wide and far to everyone to come and meet Jesus Christ. Let me give you five facts about reaching or about outreach. The first one is that invitations lead to salvations. This is really, really important. Nobody becomes a Christian without an invitation. Nobody comes to a wedding unless they're invited. And if you notice, even some people that are invited to a wedding, if you got married, not everyone, no one has 100% of their guests say yes 
to the wedding invitation. Now we know that, I'm not going to read through all these scriptures word for word, but they're just there as a reference for you. We know the scripture well in Matthew 22, where Jesus sends out the invitations and basically no one wants to come to the great wedding banquet. So Jesus gets frustrated in verse 8. He says to the servants, well, go out and invite anyone. Invite the the cripple, the lame, the person on the sidewalk, the person who's not dressed properly, the person who doesn't deserve to come. Invite them into the wedding banquet. Invitations lead to salvations. In the kingdom of God, it's the most unlikely person that will accept your invitation. If you want to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't think about the person who should be a Christian. Don't think about the person who's your best friend necessary. Don't think about the person who would be the coolest person if they came to church with me every week. Jesus' invitation often goes out to the unlikely person. Who's the most unlikely person that you know that deserves an invitation to salvation? Who's the most unlikely person that you know? Probably the person that you don't really want to spend a ton of time with. Probably the person that's not your favorite person in the world. You don't click with them the best. Maybe God is saying to you this morning that that person deserves an invitation because only invitations lead to salvations. Have a coffee. Come out with me for a beer. Why don't you come along and check my church out on Sunday? That's how difficult it is to reach people with the gospel. That's how hard it is, just an invitation. Secondly, outreach is all about eating and drinking. Eating and drinking, eating and drinking. I've said it a number of times during this sermon series. If you look at the gospel of Luke, essentially it's Jesus going from one party to the next party to the next party. It's just a continual role of hospitality and meals. That's why he was called a glutton, you eat too much, and a drunkard, you drink too much. In Hebrews 13, verse 1, it says, keep on loving one another, brothers and sisters, that's the grow together piece. And here's the reach our community piece, verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Don't forget that. Pastor Leanne mentioned this morning about Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. Jesus says to Zacchaeus after he's got convicted, he's had Jesus eating and drinking at his house, he's got convicted of all of his corruption as a tax collector and he's given back four times what he has stolen to everyone and Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus had a revelation of Jesus Christ by eating and drinking and spending time around the table with Jesus Christ. Just this week, I walked across the road here to go and grab something from Coles. As I walked across the road, a young guy, young Islander guy came up to me and said, hey, bro, bro, do you know about Jesus? Literally, just out there this week. Hey, bro, bro, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, man, what's up, what's up? It's like, do you know about Jesus? Like, yeah, yeah, I do know a little bit about Jesus. Oh, cool, cool. You're a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe. Oh, oh, cool, cool. Okay, see ya. (laughs) (laughs) An interesting approach to evangelism. In the car park, approaching people with a cold walk up, how you going, can I tell you about Jesus? Not my favorite approach, but well done. Nothing wrong with that, as that's what you feel God's saying to you. 
My encouragement would be to go a little bit broader. Use the table in your house, your dining table, and say to someone, come over and sit at my dining table, let's drink some wine, let's eat some food, and share life together and see what the Holy Ghost might do. If that's too much for you, go for a coffee, grab a beer, go for a walk at lunchtime at work with someone, find a commonality, sit down with someone and just eat and drink and see what the Holy Ghost will do. See what He'll do through your genuine desire to actually create some space for a relationship. Thirdly, and, 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 and this relates well, build authentic relationships. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is hanging out at Matthew's house now, the tax collector, another tax collector, another marginalized person, another person that if the Son of God was going to come to earth, the Jewish Messiah was ever going to come to earth, these would be the last house that this Messiah would walk into. And he spends all of his time with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners, as the Pharisees would say. Authentic friendships don't come out of hard call, hey bro, do you know about Jesus on the side of the street? You can't. Good on him, that young guy, but that's not going to build a deep, meaningful, real friendship with someone. You know what will? Actually being involved somewhere outside of the community, outside of the church and outside of your home. That's where it will happen. In a local sporting club, a local dance group, sitting on your kid's school board, Maybe it's at your workplace, there's opportunity, you're in a work environment where it's easy to build friendships with people. That's the place where authentic relationships happen. If you don't, don't aim at preaching the gospel to someone, aim at building a real relationship with another human being. God will do the work of transforming hearts and you will know at the right time what to say if you're listening to God. Don't tell anyone they're going to hell too quickly. You know, do that one carefully and make sure you know what you're talking about. Number four, the right time within the right relationship, within the eating and drinking, within the hospitality, within creating some space, provide a direct invite for someone to meet Jesus. And Pastor Leanne stole the scripture this morning from me as well, but it's John chapter four, the woman at the well gets deeply impacted by Jesus, has her own revelation of Jesus Christ. And then what does she do in verse 28? She leaves her water jar and she runs back to the town. She runs back to her community, her local community. She doesn't fly to Africa on a missions trip. She just goes back to her local community and says, hey, I've met Jesus. Why don't you come and see him? That's the direct invite. Remember Andrew? When he goes and gets his brother Peter and says, hey, I think we've found the Messiah. I want you to come and meet this Jesus Christ. And he brings his brother Peter to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, no longer will you be called, oh, now you'll be called Peter. You'll be called Rock. It changes his name. Within friendship, within community, within drink, drinking and eating, within a healthy prayer life where you're well connected to the Holy Ghost, Give a direct invite to meet Jesus. Hey, can I tell you about this way that I follow? Can I tell you about this person that I love? Can I tell you about what I do when I go, hang out with my church family? Provide a direct insight. There's no insight, sorry, direct invite. There's no insight without an invite. Here's Jesus with the woman at the well. Nobody gets the insight you have without the invite. 
Nobody can have a revelation of Jesus as if, if, unless somebody says, can I introduce you to Jesus? There's, there's a small 0.001% where Jesus appears to people in dreams and Jesus appears to people without any other human involvement. Most of the time, it will be a human being just like you and me, fumbling and mumbling and unsure and don't know what to say, creating this little bit of a bridge to give this direct invite to, hey, do you want to meet Jesus? I'm going to finish on this point and then I want us just to spend a moment in worship and really think about, pray about who God is putting on our heart, what God wants us to do with this sermon. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us today to return, return to the place of reaching out. Let go of the old stuff, the old ways of doing evangelism where we get triggered by this thought of evangelism. It's kind of like charismatic. We've got to get up and do all this stuff to get people saved. We should leave that behind for a moment. But also today, as we sing a little bit, I want you to leave behind the kind of neutral, I don't say anything, I don't want to offend anyone, I'd have this private faith, because that's not the command of Christ to go and preach the good news of the gospel. Number five, find delight in the invite. Find delight in the invite. If you hear evangelism, if you hear invite people to Jesus, if you hear share the gospel, and that brings up feelings of, <gasps> feelings of, <gasps> feelings of, oh, I've already got all the excuses covered to not have to do that part of the gospel. <laughs> Don't talk, let's not talk about this part of Caleb. I've already thought through all the reasons why, for me as an individual, that scripture doesn't really apply. If any of that stuff comes up for you, you're missing the delight. You're missing the joy. You're missing the adventure of inviting someone to experience the Jesus you have. I know this is going to be a little bit confronting again for you, but just think for a moment. You and I are sitting here. We know the creator of the universe. We've had a revelation that Jesus Christ is the son of God and rose from the dead. Yet we don't want to tell anyone. Yet we don't want to make any room in our calendar. We don't, want to, we don't want to set aside a night a week where we open up our dining table and say to people, come and, come and hang out with us. We say to people who don't know Jesus, come and hang out with us. No, I'm just going to keep it all to myself. It doesn't fit with how God has treated us, does it? He's given us everything. He's given us his best. He's poured it all out on us. Find delight in the invite. I won't read through the scripture there, but it's a good one. You can trust me on that. This is how you know God's delight is encouraging you to invite someone to meet Jesus, to reach out to someone. You're in a relationship, you have a friendship, you're out there in the community and you see pain. People come to Jesus most of all in periods of transition or periods of trauma. Trauma and transition seem to be the main times when people will meet Jesus. Look for that. So many people become Christians in their early 20s. Why? Because they're in a period of transition from childhood to adulthood and finally they get to work out for themselves what is the meaning of life. Lots of people become Christians at 19, 20, 21. Transition. Lots of people move states and then they find Jesus. Lots of people, I hear this all the time because of the age I am, people get pregnant or they have a child and then they start thinking, which school do I send them to? Do I send them to a Christian school, Mr. Pollard? Or do I send them to a local public school? Or 
what I've got this responsibility for this little baby now. What am I going to teach them about the world? And people start having questions about faith, questions about what is the meaning of things. I've got a responsibility for a human being here. What am I going to tell them is true about the world? So many mums, you know, God bless them, sort out their faith in that moment because they see that as part of mothering. And trauma is a really obvious one when people are going through deaths, when they've lost people, cancers, sickness, car crashes, all these kind of things. When people are on their back, injured, sick in hospitals, lost their job, going through an injustice, when people are on their back and somewhat disabled, they tend to ask questions about God. You don't know that unless you have a good friendship with someone, you'll never know their pain. You won't know the pain unless you do the time to sit on the couch or to sit at the bar, bar at the pub and actually give people time to share their life with you. You won't know the pain. Because everyone out there, just like you and me, looks okay. But all of us know this big secret that no one's willing to talk about, we're all not okay. <laughs> dealing with stuff and we're struggling with stuff and we're wading through stuff we're in pain and we have fears only hospitality eating and drinking authentic friendships will bring down those walls that people can actually start to consider is Jesus Christ the son of God in the pain people will generally find Jesus not the only way of course but generally that is the way just as the band plays I just want you to sit there this morning just get some space all right let your wife's hand go and let your whatever you're doing go and just, just, just sit up straight, close your eyes. I don't want to do anything too dramatic, so I'm just going to let you be in your seat. And I don't want to say too much, but I just want to facilitate for a moment that you can hear God speaking this morning. You can hear God speaking. It's very difficult because your mind will immediately run off to what you got to do after church and you know all the reasons why you don't have to listen to my sermon will be going off in your heads and all the things theological questions that are coming up but put all of that aside just center yourself right now on Jesus Christ just focus in on him And as you're focusing on Jesus, I just want you to let him lead you outside. Let him lead you outside of yourself. Let him lead you outside of the church. Let him lead you outside of your home. Maybe you're seeing that as a vision, a picture, your imagination. Just let the Holy Ghost use your imagination this morning. See yourself going out. Maybe you're with Jesus and you're walking out together. Remember Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the disciples. And as you're seeing this, you're going to hear all kinds of things. You're going to sense all kinds of things in your heart this morning. I just want you to listen to the Holy Ghost this morning. What's He saying to you? Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it something in your calendar that needs to change? Because God has so much room in His heart for everyone who's lost and searching and looking for a saviour. But how much room do we have in our schedule? How much room do we have in our heart? 
as you're going out and you're moving with Jesus, you're getting outside of your comfort zone, you're getting outside of your normal rhythms and rituals and all the have to, th- the, the evangelism never fits into your have to's and your to-do lists and your normal everyday responsibilities. Evangelism's extra. It's a delight. It's a joy. It's a sacrifice. It's the cherry on top. It's, it's being involved with the transformation of human lives. It's partnering with the Holy Ghost to see the community transformed to Jesus. Just see the delight in it this morning. So many of us need to just reorientate and understand reaching out as something of delight, delighting in the invite, delighting that I can invite someone to Jesus, delighting I can invite someone for a drink, inviting, delighting in the fact that I've got a church that I could invite someone in and they could just come and have, have a little look Have a little look-see at what we do to worship God, who the people are who really follow God. Just focus on the delight this morning. Focus on the joy this morning. Focus on the adventure, the responsibility. It's the direct command that comes from Jesus to go out and preach the good news. Day and night, night and day. 
God. Lord, we just commit this to you, Lord God. Lord, we've come through a couple of funny years here in Victoria with COVID, Lord God. And for many of us, our prayer life, our church, just like our church life, just like our outreach life has been deeply impacted. We thank you that you are returning us to a place of health and wholeness. Lord, for many of us, we need to find new methods to share the gospel, new ways to do it, Lord God. Thank you that your truth never changes, but thank you the Holy Ghost is always updating us with a better way to reach out, Lord God. We just commit all of this to you, Lord God, in your mighty name. Amen. I just want to encourage you, just as I hand over to Leanne, just uh, this week, if a sermon application, just invite someone somewhere <laughs> for a drink, for a pizza, to hang out. Even a five-minute phone call just to reach out, build a relationship, come check out my church. That's my encouragement for you this week to put this into practice. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to officially close our service. We hope that you have experienced the power of God. Um, please feel free to hang around and have a coffee. Um, if you would like prayer, one of our prayer team would love to come and pray with you out the front if you would like information about Australis, please go to the welcome desk because um, Liz is going to be there, one of the teachers, um, to answer questions. And it might not be for you, it could be um, someone else you know who might be looking for Christian education. It could even be a grandchild, who knows? But she'll be up there to answer any questions. For everyone else, please have an incredible week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.